Well, it's so good to be with you guys. If you're new to visit, my name is Tyler. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, it's, I'm so, I have a brief moment with you, okay? It's not going to be long. I have a brief moment with you, and I just want to honestly do with that song what we just sang. Honestly, what, what I want to do is I want to just take a time for us together and just adore Jesus. Just take a moment to remember, why, why are we doing any of this? Why is this season so special? I mean, this season is incredible. I mean, I'm wearing a tie, for goodness sakes. It must be special. Jesus must be true. There's no other reason I would do this, okay? He must be true. Because when we think about Jesus being born, it is so easy, especially in our context, and our culture, it is so easy for you and for me to hear the story of Jesus being born, even come to church together, and honestly, it feel like some other fable or legend or folklore you've heard before. For us to hear this story, and it honestly kind of feel like hearing about Johnny Appleseed. It kind of feel like, okay, there's this story of some person long ago who, who existed, and there's some things about him that are true, but I'm sure the story that I've heard by this point is probably mostly legend and fable, and we celebrate every now and then. Our kids really like it, and we just have a good time. It's really easy for the birth of Jesus to kind of fall in that category. Now, while your intellectual understanding of it may be different than Johnny Appleseed, per se, it still finds its way to hit our hearts, and nothing really happens. So all I want to do, in the brief time we have together, all I want to do is just consider, just for a second, one aspect of him being born to us. Just one. Just one reality of all the myriad of realities of God being born as a baby, I want us to consider just one, to adore this baby together, to adore this Jesus together. I want us to consider that when Jesus was born as a baby, he was embracing fully what it meant to be human, and what it means to be human is to be vulnerable. What it means to be human is to be vulnerable. One of the most difficult things about this life that we have to make sense of and deal with is how vulnerable we are how vulnerable we are. We like to think and talk and act like we are masters of our own fate, that we're in complete control, that we run things in our lives, and yet what does life teach you? What does history teach you? You have very little control. It teaches you that you have very little control, and it teaches you that you are incredibly vulnerable, that the human experience is a vulnerable one. I mean, you can look at it just in the news. As you look, story after story, we've heard about them, we've read about them even recently. You see peoples all over this planet who are just like you, just like you, trying to make a living, trying to raise a family, trying to get ahead, and yet what do you see? There's some local militia warlord who takes over that place because they amassed enough power and might and weaponry to oppress a people. And this people who would just live in their lives are totally vulnerable to their attack. Totally vulnerable, and the only thing they, they can do is to cry out to other nation states to come and save them because of how vulnerable they are. They didn't know this was gonna happen, all of a sudden everything's changed. It's on a global scale how vulnerable we are, but then you work it down to a personal level. I mean, you see how vulnerable we are with sickness. Think about the fact that a microscopic disease and, and germs and viruses can take you out. Think about as you age. As you age, things just begin to deteriorate. I know I love my grandparents a great deal. And I know one of the saddest things for me is to watch them age and just have things taken from them. 
Just thing after thing after things taken from them. One set of my grandparents, they just moved out of the house that they loved, that they built, that they, wanna, they wanted to spend the rest of their lives in, but they had to leave. They didn't want to. They didn't want to go, but they had to because of how vulnerable they were to getting hurt and not being able to take care of themselves. But just in, in, even in how we age, but even on an even more personal, everyday sort of level, how, how vulnerable we are emotionally. Everyone in this room, you know, how, you know better than anyone else how easily we tend towards things like depression, how vulnerable we are to fear and anxiety. I mean, think about, I mean, I think about these days in my life where I'm doing great and then one person says one comment and it sends me spiraling the rest of the day. Well, why'd they say that? Did they mean that? Well, if they meant this, they didn't text me back, I wonder what's going on. I don't really care, I'm just bitter all day. And all these different things that happen, Right, you find yourself, this, this one comment, you were doing great, and then you fall off a cliff emotionally and in your mind, and now your whole day is soured. Why? Because of one statement. On and on it could go about the human experience is a vulnerable one. Vulnerable to addiction. Vulnerable to boredom. Vulnerable to all sorts of things, but that's the human experience. Now, when you have this in mind, and you and I are honest, but this is what life is like for us, then you see the love of God even more so in the birth of Jesus. You see just how great his love is because Jesus came to you and to me as a one-day-old baby boy, a newborn. Newborns are one of the most needy, helpless, do-nothing-but-take-from-you creatures in all of creation. There is not, you look at every creature on this planet, there is not a newborn more helpless than a human child. Totally helpless, totally needy, totally vulnerable, and Jesus comes to us as that because he wants to experience all that it means to be human. See, Jesus could have come to us as a grown man. He could have showed up in some dark alley somewhere like Terminator style, got some clothes and come rescued us. He could have done it. But he was born as a baby. He wanted to know what it was like. The Son of God was born into, totally helpless into a dark world that takes advantage of the most vulnerable. That's why children are often the victims of very horrendous things because of how vulnerable they are. And Jesus wanted to know what it's like for us when we feel so powerless. So he's born a baby. We're told that this is important, that he had to be born like us so he could lead us. Hebrews 2.17 says this, therefore he, he is Jesus, he had to be made like his brothers and sisters in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Look at the first verse again. It says, therefore he had to make, be made like his brothers in every respect, why? so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest. He was born vulnerable because he wanted to know your experience. Not you in theory, but you actually. He wanted to know what it was like to be you, so he was born in the most vulnerable state possible because God did not want his power coming to save you, coming through a cold savior. Some really strong savior, but yet distant and not know what it's like to be you. 
God wanted you to be reconciled to him through a tender, compassionate, kind savior. A savior who looks at you and goes, I know. I know, I I haven't sinned like that, but I know. I know that you feel powerless. I know that you feel needy. I, I know, not in theory, but in reality, I know. But if you only understand the birth of Jesus as him identifying with you, you'll miss the gravity of this moment. You'll miss the gravity of Christmas. Because if, all of, if Jesus just comes to you and, says, and he empathizes with you and says, I know what you're going through, I know what it's like, I totally get it, and that's all that he does, it doesn't really change much. It, it may make us feel a little bit better, but nothing really changes. His empathy may soothe our weary souls, but it won't actually change us or our circumstances. It doesn't change us. We're left in the same state, we're left in the same person, the same circumstances, still feeling vulnerable, needy, helpless, powerless. See, Jesus doesn't just come to be born to offer you empathy, though he does. He also came to change everything. He wanted to give you a brand new human experience, trajectory, and future. That's why he came, to create this new humanity, because all of us in this room, you are going to try to make sense of this condition of being vulnerable. You're gonna deal with this reality of being powerless, and it may not always be a conscious decision, but so much of our lives is defined in response to the fact that we're vulnerable to things. Both, we know there are destructive forces out in the world, so we protect ourselves and guard ourselves. We know there's destructive forces in other people, and we know, did you know that your most destructive force is mostly in you? In your own thinking, your own desires, that there are thoughts that you have that will and want to destroy you. There are desires that you have that are hiding in them this latency of wanting to destroy everything in your life. You realize how vulnerable you are, so here's what we do. We know that other people, we see other people who we, we want to love, we want to be known, but yet we know they can hurt me. They've hurt me before. So I want to get close to this person, but I know they could hurt me, so I protect myself and don't say what I really want to say. I'm not transparent about how I feel, and I don't really put myself out there and commit to them because I don't want to be hurt. I'm protecting my vulnerabilities. I don't want to get sick, so I obsess over nutrition and diet and workout regimen. We try to guard ourselves from being unhappy, so we give in to every single desire. Here's what you're doing. I don't know if you know this. With every decision of your life, though you may not be consciously thinking this, here's what you're after. You are trying to secure for yourself a joy and a purpose and a meaning and an identity in this life that cannot be taken from you. That's what you're after in every single decision. You're after a joy that can't be diminished or kept from you. And yet, what do you learn in life? We learn that no, much, no matter how much you strive and work, you're reminded again and again of what, how fragile everything is. How fragile everything is. You worked out. You ate right. You still got sick. You loved other people. You put yourself out there. You served them relentlessly. They still left. They were still ripped from you. You worked hard. You saved the way you're supposed to. You still lost everything. You see in this life 
we try so hard to say, I'll meet every, I want to meet every desire, and I'm going to give in to every impulse, and then you can't be honest about how unfulfilled you still feel. We're trying to secure for ourselves a joy we can't secure. So here's what your options are. Your options are, if the Christmas story is not real, and it's like some sort of Johnny Appleseed story that's not really real, then really you're left with two main options of, one, just enjoy this life as best as you can, suck out every bit of marrow of this life and then wait till it's ripped, everything's ripped from you or be paralyzed by that reality, fear losing and just guard and protect. And typically you and I, we do both, right? Certain seasons when you feel good, you are off for life, not thinking about anything, then something reminds you how fragile everything is then we get scared and fearful and don't risk anymore. That's what life is like without the Christmas story. Just us trying to find our way through this life, trying to secure something, a relationship, an identity, a meaning, a purpose, a something, and realizing it's taken away so often. But with the Christmas story, with the Christmas story, Jesus becomes a baby boy so that he can change your vulnerable life. That's why he did it. He wanted to enter into your vulnerability and know your weaknesses and know what it's like to be limited as a human being and know what it's like to be hurt as a human being so that he could give you a life stronger than every single fear. So he'd give you a life stronger even than death. The two, the two most vulnerable moments in a human life are your first and your last. The two most vulnerable moments first and your last. You come into this world totally helpless, totally needy, totally vulnerable, and you leave the same way. You leave the same way. And Jesus experienced both. He didn't just come to be born and live a life. He also was born so that he would die. So that he would know what it's like to be us. See, Christmas celebrates his first moment on earth and it anticipates his last moment on earth. It's looking forward and saying, this baby boy king is getting ready to save us. And to save us, he has to experience for himself the utter darkness and finality of death so he can make our lives new. Hebrews 2, 14 says this, since since therefore the children, us, share in flesh and blood, he, Jesus himself, likewise partook of the same things, our life, our frailties, that through death he might destroy the one who has power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. He entered into death so he could make our vulnerable lives indestructible. Indestructible. That's what he was aiming for. He got swallowed up into death and felt what it was like and knew what it was like and then burst through it three days later in resurrection to say, I've made your hope, your purpose, your meaning, your identity. Now it's indestructible. Now nothing can touch it. Even your failures can't change it. Do you not realize Jesus was coming? He was born. He's not just saving an individual. He's creating a new humanity. He's given humanity that joy and that purpose we've been longing for and searching for and scrambling for and seeing like sand through our fingers falling through and he says, I just secured it for you. I just made it happen. And even when you fail, you're thinking, but I have failed too much. Jesus says, it transcends your failure. 
but I've lost everything. You don't know my suffering. It transcends suffering. But I'm fearful of death. It transcends death. Jesus has given all those who trust him a relationship with God and a kingdom, and a kingdom that transcends every vulnerability. You know what's incredible about Christmas is you're celebrating this baby boy being born that in faith, now, your life is tied to his life. Your life, if you've trusted him, is tied to his life. So now, after his resurrection, everything Jesus gets, if you trusted him, he gives to you. And right now, the risen Jesus is the furthest thing from vulnerable and fragile. Hebrews seven sixteen says, who has become a priest, talking about Jesus, not on the basis of a legal requirement concerning bodily descent, concerning lineage and who his parents were, but by the power of an indestructible life. An indestructible life. Death could not hold him. So Christmas is not just celebrating the birth of Jesus, though it is. It's so special for us because it's celebrating the birth of life forever. That's what's happening. That's what we're celebrating. It's celebrating that finally, I have an identity and a purpose and a hope that cannot be crushed by fear or sin or sorrow or death. No, I have an identity that's indestructible. See, everything that you and I have been powerless to overcome, that we've been powerless to overcome, Jesus conquered, not by just saying stop, but by going into it, being swallowed by it, and raising on the third day in victory over it. That's what he was doing. That's why Christmas is special. That's why it's right to celebrate. When you think about that reality, and that's who Jesus is, it's right to celebrate. We should buy presents, we should wear ties, we should do all sorts of fun things to celebrate this thing because everything you've been after has finally been found and you didn't do an ounce of work. It's all because there was this baby boy king who said, I'm gonna know what your life is like. So that way when I give you my indestructible one, you'll know I know what it's like to be you you'll know that he wasn't always indestructible, yet he went through and was destroyed on the cross for us. When you see that, Christmas makes sense, and it also begins to make sense why it's not just some religious practice to be about Jesus. It actually makes all the sense in the world. We're not talking about Jesus because it's Christmas. We're talking about Jesus because he deserves it, and it makes sense when you see him for who he is. And so for those of you in this room who, are, who have trusted Christ and know him, I, I just hope that just this moment together, that it kind of breaks you out of the ritualistic nature that Christmas can be and kind of some smelling salts to your soul to go, oh yeah, oh yeah, that's why I'm doing that. That's why we're celebrating, because he's given me that identity that I went to other relationships for. He gave to me in ways no one else could. Oh yeah, I've forgotten that joy that I've been after through all sorts of work and family, he had it in ways no one else did. I hope it wakes you up to go, that's why when you wake up tomorrow morning, you should celebrate because you're reminded, oh yeah, there was a day when there was a baby born that would change and give me life forever. 
and that one day would make my life indestructible. And if you're here and you just came, let's say you came because your family or friends or just tradition brought you here, I really want you to see Jesus is not as mundane as you think. He's not some mundane treasure that requires a couple days a year and a couple decisions a year. If that's how you treat him, he's not that mundane. He's so much better than that. And I just hope that this moment you get to see the things you're after, this life will rip from you and only Jesus has secured. He's the only one you know who's indestructible. He's the only one you'll ever find. So I hope that tomorrow morning, Christmas morning, and then every day after that, you and I have a new confidence and a new strength, not because we think we're great, but because we've seen this baby boy as the one who went through everything to have us. And that's why we live our lives the way we do. Let's pray together. Father, just, just for a second, God, before we move on, would you just settle our minds and our hearts before we think about dinner or anything like that, before we think of moving out of here for singing songs? God, just in this moment, would you just help us adore Jesus together? Just in our hearts, would our hearts begin to warm as we think about Jesus, all that you went through to have us, all that you lost to have us. God, for those in this room who are hurting and lonely and isolated, I think this Jesus has forgotten me. This Jesus does not know what I'm going through. Father, would you remind them that this story is a testimony Jesus knows what they're going through. That they don't have a leader and king who is unfamiliar with their grief and unfamiliar with being wounded. Jesus, you know better than anyone. And God, for those of us in this room who honestly are just apathetic or absent-minded, God, would you wake us up? God, wake me up. I want to see afresh that Jesus, you are everything that I've ever wanted and I never even knew it. God, that's what I want. I have no power to change my heart or the heart of anyone in this room, but God, I know that you long to restore the hearts of people back to yourself. And God, you do that as we think about and focus on this Jesus and all that he's done. God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for Christmas Eve services that wake us up to great realities in the midst, in the midst of busyness. God, we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Church, let's stand. Let's sing together.